And in this third and final talk today, I want to speak about one of the most important exercises of the interior life, namely that of daily spiritual reading. And it's my opinion, my firm conviction, that the importance of spiritual reading can hardly be exaggerated. Because without daily spiritual reading, there will normally be very little or no progress in the spiritual life. Without spiritual reading, our prayer life will suffer, our moral life will suffer, and our very chance of salvation will diminish. Priests and religious have lost their vocation due to the fact, I think in large part, because they failed to be faithful to the daily spiritual reading. I've seen it with my own eyes. Many souls will be lost because they never took the time to read good spiritual books. And it's, it isn't just my opinion. St. Alphonsus, great doctor of the church, said this, quote, Without good books and spiritual reading, it will be morally impossible to save our souls. Those are strong words. Spiritual reading has always been considered one of the pillars of Benedictine monastic life. Benedictines call spiritual reading Lexio Divina, or divine lessons, or divine reading. And St. Benedict's rule actually sets aside a lot of time for reading each day. In a fully functioning monastery, the monks should have three to four hours a day of reading. And if it is considered that important for monks and nuns, it's because it's so incredibly helpful in the spiritual life. But the spiritual life, the life of holiness, the life of closer union with our Lord, is not just for monks and nuns and priests, for everyone. There's only one gospel. We all have to obey the first commandment, the great commandment. Everyone is meant to strive for closer and closer union with Christ. And therefore, every one of you, no matter your vocation or state of life that God has called you to, each of you should make time every day for good quality spiritual reading. I think we should spend at least 10 minutes a day, at least five. We should be able to get five or 10 minutes in. And reading a good spiritual book, it's so important. And we have to make the time. If you don't have the time, make the time. In general, people just don't read anymore. Or rather, their reading is limited to the newspaper or trashy novels or the TV guide or those video game instruction booklets. And maybe those very fascinating and informative labels on the back of cereal boxes. And we spend half an hour reading. We have time to read everything else and do everything else, but rarely does anyone make time for spiritual reading. And this is the one spiritual practice which modern life has made more necessary than in the past. If one really wants to live a spiritual life and get closer to God. Because our spiritual life, our sanctification, depends on grace. And grace is primarily obtained by prayer. But spiritual reading is the foundation of the life of prayer. It helps tremendously. This is why the spiritual, the saints and spiritual writers, masters of the spiritual life teach us. They 
They say this over and over. They tell us that without spiritual reading, there is practically speaking no possibility of advancing in the spiritual life. And the reason should be clear. In fact, we live, in fact, in a pagan culture and society which promotes ideals and values and practices which are so thoroughly saturated with materialistic and anti-Christian thoughts. Our our modern environment not only offers no help to incite us to living a morally pure and holy life, it actually positively leads us away from God and works against our salvation and sanctification. And so many of us, without any serious misgivings, we allow ourselves to be more or less comfortably swept along in the current of everyday life and by the spirit of the modern world. It's true that we we hold to certain definite religious truths or doctrines as Catholics, and we tenaciously cling to certain traditional Catholic practices, but apart from actions that are specifically religious, such as the reception of the sacraments and attendance at Mass, the life of the ordinary routine Catholic is very similar to, if not exactly the same, as those who have not even the slightest trace of Christian principles. And for many Catholics, their views and their aims and their worldly ambitions, ambitions, their judgments, their tastes, their interests, their fashions, their amusements, their pursuits, present no striking contrast with those who profess some false religion or no religion at all. This is not true for everyone, of course, but the number of those for whom this is not true is pretty small. I think for the most of us, there is no clear line of demarcation between our manner of acting and dealing and viewing everyday life and that of the disciples of the world. And so little by little, the Catholic faith is ceasing to influence our our ideas and judgments and decisions. And this is a great catastrophe. Indeed, it is a great chastisement, worse than any physical kind of chastisement that we could suffer. So we must maintain the atmosphere of the supernatural. Because if we lose that, we don't even try to live in the supernatural atmosphere and say goodbye to sanctity. Just as when men go uh, deep-sea diving, they have to bring oxygen on their back, an oxygen tank. They're not fish. They can't breathe water and survive. And so it is with us. We can't breathe the atmosphere of the world, of worldliness, and expect to spiritually survive, much less grow. And so we must not fool ourselves into thinking that we can breathe this stuff, we can breathe the atmosphere out there, and it's not going to affect our faith. It will affect your faith. And that's why you have to bring with you the oxygen tank of spiritual reading in order to survive. The doors of no Catholic home can be locked so securely, and no parent can protect their children from all the temptations of the world. No monastery can be so cloistered as to shut out the world completely. But we can neutralize and counterbalance it by prayer and spiritual reading. It can be done. The saints have done it. We can do it as well. Maybe a little harder in this, this time. But practically speaking, it will not be done without spiritual reading. 
may quote some lines from the great spiritual writer that I quote a lot, I admit, but Father Edward Lean. He said, It is not an easy thing for us to think supernaturally, and an occasional look into a spiritual book will not be sufficient to develop in us the habit of doing so. If we are to keep our judgments sure in a spiritual sense, our outlook on life wise with true wisdom, and our conduct under the guidance and control of motives of faith, as opposed to those of worldliness, spiritual reading must come to form the most substantial element in our daily intellectual nourishment. It is only thus that it will effectively counterbalance the evil tendencies of nature by awakening and sustaining supernatural tendencies in the soul. All are called to perfection, to that grade of perfection which consists in conformity with the law of the gospel, and this cannot be attained without constant and intimate union with our divine Lord. For this union, spiritual reading forms an almost indispensable condition. Prayer, and the reason is obvious, prayer being an elevation of our souls to God, and, and this elevation consists in acts of understanding and movements of the will, it is plain that our souls must be, at, as it were, steeped in a supernatural element in order that it may easily and readily ascend to God. If our minds are not familiar with divine things, this elevation of the soul will be very difficult. The extent of our familiarity with the supernatural will be, measured of the, will be the measure of the facility which we shall find in giving ourselves to prayer. If we wish to dwell easily on supernatural things, our memories must be stored with them. All the difference between the ability and the inability to pray lies in living or not living the life of faith. The life of faith consists in thinking and acting with a view to God and estimating the things of this world after the manner of the saints. If our reading is done with ardor, with a mind that is open to receive the impressions that spiritual books of themselves necessarily convey, we shall gradually form the habit of thinking in a supernatural way. Once this habit is formed, the chief and greatest obstacle to the interior life is swept away. Let me repeat that last line. The chief and greatest obstacle to the interior life will be swept away. So what we desperately need, in the words of Arnold Lunn, is an intense preoccupation with the supernatural. How do we acquire that? Spiritual reading, the study of the faith, saturated with prayer. See, original sin has not only weakened our will, it's also darkened and blinded our mind as well. And our weak will, we need strength in order to do good, but our minds need light in order to, what, to know what good to accomplish. As we think, so we act. And it is quite obvious that most of us do I do a lot of great wrong thinking. Our knowledge of the spiritual life is often too shallow and vague. A car may have enough gas to run, but the driver still needs to know where and how to get where he's going. If we want to get to heaven, we will have to learn the way. So in order to begin changing, to change our way of acting, we have to begin by changing our way of thinking. 
And the action of our lives is determined by our last and most dominant thought. So that is why we must strive to penetrate more and more into the practical meaning of the truths of our faith. Very often, it is not lack of effort or goodwill that hinders us from arriving at holiness. It is misdirected or misguided effort. And such efforts, when they're misguided, it leads to disillusionment and discouragement. So that's why we need to know the way, the path. And we get this from spiritual reading and the the advice of the saints. If we are to avoid sin and turn away from all that is dangerous to the salvation and sanctification of our soul, we have to turn to God, our only true good. But as St. Thomas Aquinas says, only a known good is aspired to by the will. Whatever I don't know, I do not long for. I don't aspire to. And if I don't know God, or if I don't know Jesus Christ, or his goodness, or his perfection, you won't long for him. Desire follows knowledge. Love follows knowledge. So one of the ways to holiness is to desire it. One of the most important ways to desire it. We have to know what we are desiring. And if I occupy my mind with God, it will not be long before he will give me the grace to love those heavenly things. Where thy treasure is, there will thy heart be also, says our Lord. So love will soar heavenward where our thoughts are dwelling. Cardinal Newman, echoing St. Paul, said this, Let me put my mind on things above, and in God's good time he will set my heart on things above. And there's been so many saints that after reading a good spiritual book, resolved to forsake the world and to give themselves entirely to God. They were converted by a book. It's not uncommon. It's not an uncommon objection to this practice of spiritual reading, which I have heard many times. I just can't seem to remember anything I've read. Seems to, I forget it as soon as I read it. And so the person feels that spiritual reading is useless. But that's not the case. Yes, it would be wonderful if we could remember everything we've ever read, like St. Thomas Aquinas, some of the saints. I actually pray for that. Help me to remember what I read. But that's not the most important thing in spiritual reading. The primary purpose of spiritual reading is not the acquisition of knowledge as such, however helpful it, it will be. Knowledge is good, but spiritual reading is primarily food for the soul. And just like we eat every day, it helps us, but we don't remember what we eat. I bet most of you don't remember what you ate yesterday. But it still helped you get here. So spiritual reading is food for the soul. Or under a different analogy, the ancient desert fathers likened spiritual reading to drawing water from a well with a wicker basket. You're not going to get much water, but it will clean the basket pretty good. And that's what spiritual reading is. It's kind of like water flushing through the mind, flushing out all the garbage of the world. 
You may not remember. Most of the water will be dumped out. You'll maybe retain a little bit of moisture in there. But that's the point. It's done its job. It fills the mind with good thoughts, good images, spiritual principles, and wisdom. Not necessarily information, but wisdom. When tempted in the desert, our Lord refuted Satan by quoting the book of Deuteronomy. Not on bread alone doth man live, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Revealed truth is therefore food for the soul. And no wonder why so many are spiritually anemic, because they, they lack nourishment. And now I want to talk briefly about a few practical points in regard to spiritual reading. What should I read and how should I read? How do, what's the proper way to do spiritual reading? First of all, what should we read? Obviously, in order for something to be spiritual reading, it should be spiritual. It should be a book deal, that deals with the spiritual life of the soul in direct way, more or less. Now, it's possible to read a science book and be edified <clears throat> by the truths it teaches and that we see God's beauty and intelligence and order, and we may be edified by it. We've, we may also marvel at the beauty of a mathematical fo formula of, and see God's intelligence in it. A book of history, secular or ecclesiastical, may inform our minds and strengthen our convictions, and this may be very edifying. And we also, for traditional Catholics, we may dwell deep into the study of the subjects dealing with our position as traditional Catholics and why we reject the Novus Ordo in all its aspects. And all this may have good practical results for our life and that it keeps us in line with tradition. And all this is good and praiseworthy, and we should do, we should read about all these things at certain times. Controversial theology, history, science, whatever. But none of these things are really, properly speaking, spiritual reading. Spiritual reading is the reading of sacred scripture, the lives of the saints, the writings of the saints, the writings of other approved Catholic writers on the spiritual life. Preferably before the 1960s, generally speaking. There's only a few exceptions, but generally speaking, stay before that. As regards the lives of the saints, <clears throat> this is probably the most popular form of spiritual reading, and some books are better than others to actually edify the soul. But in general, the lives of the saints can be very helpful. Reading the lives of the saints had made many saints. St. Ignatius is one of the most famous. St. Ignatius of Loyola, who at one time was a soldier and was wounded in battle, and he was laid up in bed for a long, long time, and he was bored. He was a worldly person, and he accidentally took up a volume of the lives of the saints and was almost instantly converted. He became a saint. St. Philip Neri devoted all the vacant hours that he could procure to the reading of spiritual books, <clears throat> and particularly the lives of the saints. In the words of St. Augustine, why can't I do what they did? They're human beings like me. But God, obviously, is not looking for any of us to become a carbon copy of this or that saint. He already has that saint. He doesn't need another one. He wants an original copy of Christ from you. So that is why when we're reading the lives of the saints, don't feel that you have to do exactly what they're doing. The lives of the saints are meant to inspire you. They're for your inspiration, not imitation. 
Their motives and their virtue should inspire you with the same motives, but you don't have to slavishly copy what they're doing. St. Francis de Sales said that more or less explicitly. Reading the writings of the saints is, generally speaking, the safest books to choose because they've been carefully sifted through and approved by the church, and they've stood the test of time. They know how to get to sanctity. They've made it, so they can tell us how to do it. However, it is also good to supplement the writings of the saints with other approved spiritual writers because they help us to balance our understanding of the spiritual life. The saints give you the, you know, vitamins. You need to, you need to supplement it with other things. So you have a balanced view. However, one book that we should soak ourselves in is the Holy Gospels. And we must soak ourselves in the words and actions, the life, the suffering, and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. But how many of us, to be honest, how many of us have actually read the New Testament? Or even just the four Gospels? All of them. I'm willing to bet very few of us. St. Jerome said to be ignorant of the Scriptures is to be ignorant of Christ. That's incredible. And terrible when you think about it. There's really no excuse for this in these days. Everyone should be able to afford a New Testament. Everyone should be able to read sufficiently to get through it, to get enough comprehension to get something out of it. It's not because we can't. It's because we don't really want to. We don't want to make the time. This is making time for Christ. We believe as Catholics that the author of Scripture is God himself and that the Gospels themselves are the the original, inspired, and infallible record of the life and teachings of Christ. They contain the greatest life ever lived, the greatest words ever spoken, and we haven't read them. Or if we have, how many times? Just once? They're only a couple hundred pages. And so... We believe that Jesus is truly God, the Word incarnate, the second person of Holy Trinity, who became man and died for us, and yet we don't really know his life. That's sad. You know, a, a communist studies his, the communist manifesto. They, they memorize things. They're so dedicated. They know it inside and out. And most of us do not know Christ inside and out. We don't know his words. We have time for everything else, every other gossip and news and entertainment, but so little time for real deep devotion to the person and sacred humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we should be saturated with Christ. We should seek to know him, to to meditate on his life and words, to just soak ourselves in it. Abbot Eugene Boylan, another spiritual writer, said, Everyone should keep himself familiar with both the deeds and words of our Savior, for they are the revelation of the Word of God. So rather the Gospels or a book dealing with our Lord, I encourage you to have them always at hand. Always have a book on our Lord going on. He's your Savior. Thinking about Christ will help us become like Christ. 
The saints spent their lives meditating and contemplating Christ. And they slowly became Christ-like. How can we live like a Christian if we think like a pagan? And how can we think like a Christian if we do not think like Christ? Father Rigoluk, he's a Jesuit priest from the 17th century, wrote something that struck me. I remember reading it about 10 years ago. That it should encourage us to meditate on our Lord and why it's so important. <clears throat> and when I say meditate, usually with the help of a, a book, it's hard to think of stuff just off the top of your head. It helps us, guiding us using a book to help. <clears throat> he said this, It is sufficient to look on Jesus and to contemplate his perfections and his virtues. The very view is of itself capable of producing marvelous effects upon the soul. Just as a simple look at the brazen serpent, which Moses reared in the wilderness, was enough to heal the bite of the serpents, for everything in Jesus is not only saintly, but sanctifying also, and imprints itself on the souls which apply themselves to the consideration of it, if they do so with a good dispositions. His humility makes us humble. His purity purifies us. His poverty, his patience, his sweetness, and his other virtues imprint themselves on those who contemplate them. This may take place without our reflecting at all upon ourselves, but simply by our viewing these virtues in Jesus with esteem, admiration, respect, love, and complacency. Just think of it. Thinking about our Lord will have affect you. And since this is Lent, especially when we read about the meditation uh, on the passion of our Lord, it's very efficacious. As I said earlier, that the passion of Christ is not just an historical event. It transcends time and the power to affect us. So when we're meditating on the passion, it's like we're mentally connected with our Lord. And his virtue will flow out of him into us. St. Bonaventure says, He who desires to go on advancing from virtue to virtue, from grace to grace, should constantly meditate on the passion of Jesus Christ. And now a few brief words on how to make spiritual reading. Above all, read slowly, meditatively, prayerfully. Don't feel rushed to finish the book. And then intersperse prayer throughout the reading. We have to read to nourish our soul, not for curiosity. And don't be thinking, I only have 20 pages left. I've got to get this book done so I can move on to the next one. It's not the purpose. Even... The great benefit of spiritual reading is that it naturally disposes the soul to recollection and prayer. So, if it takes one page to recollect your soul, and then it only takes one page. Use that as a springboard to pray. And when you feel called, when you're reading and you feel moved, I want to pray about this, I want to think about this, then stop. If it takes one page, one paragraph, or just one word, that may be all it takes. Use that spiritual reading book as a springboard into prayer. That's what God wants. That's the ultimate purpose of reading is not knowledge, but love, to feed your love for God, to feed that interior devotion. St. Jerome says that when we pray, we speak to God, but when we read, God speaks to us. St. Ambrose says the same thing. And not, so no wonder we don't grow in the spiritual life. We do all the talking. And very little listening to God. And that is why spiritual reading is so important. 
And you may not even notice the change, but it will help you. You'll notice later on, you put a book down, I have a little bit more strength than I used to. A little bit more determination to go on fighting. I feel stronger to resist temptations for some reason. You have a light that you didn't have before. So therefore, my dear people, strive very hard to form this habit of daily spiritual reading. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.